0: You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com and definitely check out those shows as well. Carmen Mixa is the author of Morsels of Love, a book of poetry in short form. She is a creative nonfiction writer and poet who has earned both her BA and MA degrees in English from Sacramento State University. She has published memoir, creative nonfiction, a tennis book called Change Your Grip on Life Through Tennis, and her two poetry books, The PR, The Poetics of Running, A Book of Poetry in Motion. She is now working on her memoir about her life growing up in communism. Carmen is also the broker CEO of her own company, Dynamic Real Estate Inc., and has been featured in Forbes Magazine in 2021 for her dedication to her clients. When she is not selling real estate in writing, Carmen is an avid marathon runner who ran London, Boston, New York, and Chicago World Marathons. She is the podcaster of Seeds of Sunshine, a mother-daughter podcast that she started doing with her daughters last summer. Mixa lives with her husband, Catalan, and her two teenage children. Welcome Carmen. Thank you so much for coming on. Moms don't have time to read books. I'm so excited to have you here.
3: Thank you so much for having me. It is a great honor and I am just very very happy to see you and to talk to you.
0: Aww. Well, you not only self-published your second collection of poems, Morsels of Love, but you also wrote a tennis book back in the day. When was I love it? It was like when was that published by the way?
3: Yes, it was published in 2018. Okay. Because what happened, I was in my 40s and I decided to go back to college just to be on the tennis team, you know? No. <laughs> yes. And, and all my um, colleagues there, my uh, friends, they were 18, 19 year old and they were more tired than me. And they were like, how come you're never tired, Carmen? Because I was like, let's play all the matches in one day and get it done with. <laughs>
0: Wow. Wait, so you're from Romania originally. Yes. Let's talk about tennis first because that's fun. Yes. Did you grow up a tennis player? Like, Did you compete? Tell me your tennis history.
3: Oh, so what happened is my my father was a ping pong champion. He was really good at ping pong. But when I was in sixth grade, I said, Daddy, I want to play tennis. And he goes, well, we're going to play on like a quarter of the court cuz you know I don't know how to play tennis but we'll both learn and I said great then we started to play and then once we both learned we moved to the whole court you know and we were having so much fun and I never competed as a kid but then I met my my future husband we met and he said I love to play tennis and I said so do I and we started to play tennis you know and then we came to America actually and that's when we really started to play a lot of tennis we played tournaments and i played over 250 tournaments in usda you know wow yes and so it was just like our way to release stress in our first year we used to work like 12 hour days and then we would go in the evening to a local park and play tennis
0: So did you end up getting ranked and all of that or no? Oh,
3: yes. I was a 4.5 in USTA and now I'm a 4.0 because I don't play as much. I run more.
0: (laughs) Right. So that's your other big thing is running. Tell me, so
3: how far do you run? Like, what is your
0: running schedule? Tell. Like, how do you, I mean, this is amazing to be in such great (laughs) athletic shape and be able to accomplish all these goals.
3: (laughs) Thank you, ZB. As a matter of fact, I feel... You know, in my 40s, I am much stronger than I was in my 20s, honestly, you know, because it's with running, we all know that you put in the work and you actually get things in return, you know, like you actually become better as you age with running. And we have a funny thing, runners, we always celebrate getting older because we move to another age group. (laughs) So it's just counterintuitive, but we're like, yes, we're in a new age group. Now we can do better or we can, you know, run stronger.
0: (laughs) Wow. So how, like, how much do you run and play tennis in a week?
3: Yes. So lately with tennis, it's about once a week. All my friends keep trying to get me on the tennis court and I'm like, no, I have to run 20 miles because I'm preparing for Berlin marathon. So in marathon training, I ran 60 miles last week, 60, oh right? But, but if I prepare for a 5K, obviously the the training is different, but I always have fun and I run with friends and they listen to me talk. I'm like, I'm writing a new poem or I'm writing a new short story and I'm doing this and then they tell me what they're doing and our miles just fly by, you know?
0: I mean, my miles never fly by, but that's amazing that you can... Uh can do that. That's just wonderful. So I didn't read your tennis book, I have to admit, but tell me what I should know from that book, because it's not just, it's about nutrition and life and how you translate tennis into having you, t- tell me the title. I see the book right behind you and okay. I have it. I looked it up ahead of time, but I don't have it in front of me. Uh,
3: it's changing Your Life Through Tennis, a player's physical, mental, technical, and nutritional guide. Uh, for improving your game. So my goal when I wrote this book is I was, I wanted to share my college experience because it was, it was fun, you know, and I also wanted to share workouts, but mainly I wanted to share the Zen of tennis. What I, what I call the Zen of tennis. And because we're talking about Zen and tennis and writing, I think it helps us a lot as a writers, as writers when we don't have any preconceived ideas Right. Like we don't come to life thinking that we know things. And that's what you learn through sports, that there is always a new angle. And tennis is about geometry, right? Like when you create those angles on the court, like you see things differently. You, you get to place the ball the way you want it and you feel accomplished, you know. And speaking about Zen, I really love this story. A Japanese master during the Meiji era received a university professor who came to inquire about Zen. And Nan Yin served him tea. He poured his visitor's cup full and then kept on pouring. The professor watched the cup overflow until he no longer could restrain himself. It is overfull. no more will go in. Like this cup, Nan In said, you are full of your own opinions and speculations. How can I show you Zen unless you first empty your cup? Wow. Yeah. And so I always felt like with tennis, I was very mentally strong. So a lot of times I was winning matches that I wasn't supposed to win. And then my friends would come back to me and they're like, well, how did you pull that? And I was like, I don't know. I got into my Zen place. I kind of let go but I also, you know, kind of thought more on the court and took some risks when I could do it, you know? I'm
0: still like processing your tennis's geometry because that would probably make my tennis a lot better is if I thought about it in terms of lines and angles and and all of that as opposed to all the things I need to do with each stroke with my body just to get the ball in the right place. (laughs) Like my, I'm more like, okay, bend your knees, look down, you know, like, right, you know, break, anyway, doesn't matter. But, <laughs> uh, but my aim is probably not like yours, which seems to be amazing. So
3: <laughs> I apply it, especially in doubles, you know, like, yep. because in doubles, it's just even more critical, but even in singles, because I play a lot against my husband, and he's like, see, you always do better when you go closer to the line. But then I say, yeah, but see, I missed like three, four balls and you beat me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. And you also are a poet, among other things. Yes. Yes. And I just wanted to read you sent me two links to different pieces, including Sunrise Streaks, Saluting the Day prose poem, which is beautiful. And what you do that's so unique also in your collections is pair photos with poems, because there's there's poetry in photos, to be honest. Can I just read this one? Is yes, please. Yes. Okay. Yes. My reaction to a beautiful sunrise piles up S words as neatly as a stack of pancakes oozing with maple syrup. The sun strips strides, surmounts, and surveys the world in streaks of honey. As soon as I notice the solicitous sun, I salute the day by smiling and surrendering to its sun rays that bathe my soul and renew my being. Today, it was no exception, although I found myself peeking around the edges of the sun that peeled off its rays, stickers of light and longing." The gray clouds circled and cuddled the sun like an egg holder cup as if afraid to let the colors converge with the dark clouds floating around the sky after the heavy winter overnight rain. After I stood there taking a few pictures of the sunrise, my breathing and heart slowing down, the sun started to look like a firm egg yolk. I almost felt tempted to dip small bread pieces into it until I remembered that I had to continue my run, but only after I kept squinting at the sun. And the sun squinted back at me silently and solemnly in its full splendor. (laughs) Oh, that is absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. Yes,
3: thank you. And your reading was beautiful.
0: (laughs) Oh, thanks. You can just like take me on the road with you, you know, whatever I can do. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So when did your poetic side come out how long have you been doing that?
3: Yes, it's very interesting, Zibi. I always wrote ever since I was about... 10 years old but I really became a poet after I became a runner Mm. which is really interesting I was running and my stride my breath you know um, I felt inspired like with every step I was taking like rhymes or like lines would pop into my head and then I would rush back home to write them down and as a matter of fact I in the morsels of love I'll just read this poetry became motion together with my running. So that's why I said one of my poems is called Poetry in Motion. When I first became a runner, I discovered dancing words that floated freely in my mind and filled my soul with serenity. When I first started to pile up my poems, heaps of hope, I would run in nature where where my thoughts were nurtured. So it was just like really interesting. You know, every time I was going out, I was like, experiencing different things. I was a new runner. I was learning about running and I was also learning to become a poet, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and literally the first collection, it took me three years because I would just be like, oh, when I run, I'm going to write another poem, you know? And, and I wasn't as disciplined as I needed to be about uh, writing. Now I am much, much, much better because the second collection, it took me from three years and I got it done in three months. And that was because I had the discipline and uh, the excitement to write for medium. I was publishing daily. And, and at the end of it, I was like, I didn't work enough on my memoir this year, but wait a minute, I have a, another collection of poetry. Let's go with this for this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: <laughs>
3: wait, tell me about your memoir. Yes. So my memoir has been a work in progress because it was my thesis for my master's degree in English. And I put it aside after I graduated because I wasn't happy with it, you know. And and then I did so many other things. But like last year, I picked it up and I changed the direction completely. I um, basically focused on growing up in Romania during communism. And I also fought in the Romanian Revolution when I was 16. You know, I was out there in the streets with my dad. And But basically, I'm focusing on the lessons that I learned and that there was sunshine coming through the cracks all the time. And there was so much that I learned and that made me the resilient person that I am. And I look back and I'm like, you know, that wasn't as bad, especially because I was pretty lucky I didn't have to... know worry about other things that other people you know went through like some people went to jail you know it it was intense but like i said i learned so many lessons and i want to impart that so every chapter will have like you know some lessons that i learned and you know like swimming against the current you know
0: revolution <laughs> at age 16. I mean, oh my gosh, I was like showing up at parties at 16. Like, what was I doing? Tell me about that. What on earth, like, t- what did that look like? Did you have a gun? Like, t- just what was that? Well, tell me about that.
3: No, 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 no gun. So basically what happened is, you know, the revolution started and I had just left Timishwara, which is a big university town. That's where the revolution started. I had just left it to go back home because. Winter break was coming. I was at the university. No, I was in high school. And so I got home and my dad and I, we were listening to the radio and they were saying the revolution started in Romania, you know, like the free Europe radio station because we couldn't get real news in Romania, you know. And I told my dad, dad, we need to go in the streets. We need to go fight for freedom. And he's like, well, but they're shooting at people and you know, we could risk our lives. And I said, I don't care. We need to fight for freedom. We need to go, you know? And my dad says, okay, we're going. And my mom says, I can lose my job, you guys, with the communists, if they know you're in the streets. And I'm like, don't worry, mom, we need freedom, you know? (laughs) And so we went for like three days in a row, luckily, I lived in a very small town, you know, and so they weren't shooting at us. They were only shooting in big towns and, you know, it was more intense there. But it was just an experience to be surrounded by thousands of people who wanted freedom, you know, who wanted a change in in our country. And so, yes, it's really seared into my memory. And I'm, I'm glad I got to do this with my dad, you know. Wow. I feel like you should read, there's a new book out. It's called A Life in
0: Light by Mary Pfeiffer, Meditations on Impermanence. And it's, I feel like there's so much in your writing about light and the effect of light and her whole thing. That's her whole theme through, it's really a memoir, but it's told through light. I don't know. I think you would really appreciate this. I feel like you're on the same page as her in, in, in the way you literally see the world. And, you know, that image, not only in your poem, but... Even just saying that you could see the sunlight through the cracks—I mean, that's—it's beautiful imagery, and I—I I don't know—I find it very complimentary. Yes. So I bet you'll like it.
3: I, I will definitely read it. And last week I finished reading your memoir, which I really enjoyed.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. Thank you. That's very nice of you. It is crazy talking to people who've read my book who are also writers. It's really neat. It's very, very neat to read each other's work, and that's very cool. Yes. Very cool. So you seem to have no trouble setting goals and accomplishing them. You decide to pick up tennis and you become a masterful competitor. You decide to run marathons and now just like up and run 60 miles a week. You decide to write poetry collections and whip them up as you're going. Memoir, short story. You're also a super real estate broker. I mean, you have like so many things. What do you think it is about you or what are the secrets to just Saying you're like setting intentions and just going after them and and achieving them, like it seems like that comes very easily to you.
3: <laughs> That's a really great question, ZB. And I was on another podcast and I told this story. I always put the fun first into my calendar. Okay. And I learned that when I first became a real estate broker because the broker at the time, now I am the broker, he said, you could work 24 hours in this business. If you're not careful, you're going to burn out. And it's the same for us writers. If we're not careful, we're going to burn out, right? And so he said, make sure you put your fun into the calendar first, like you pencil it in, literally. So I'm really, really good also about making sure that I balance everything, you know, that I balance the play with the work. And and once I get something into my mind, like, Like this year, for instance, in the summer, my daughter and I started a podcast.
0: That's right. I meant to mention that. Yes.
3: Yes. It's called Seeds of Sunshine, a mother-daughter podcast. And we already interviewed authors and, um, uh, of course, an an Olympic runner. But I just go with if I said something and if I say that I'm doing something, I'm, I'm not one of those people who just talks about dreams and goals. I like to take action. And it's probably also because when I grew up in communism, our teachers were very blunt to us. Zippy, they would say, "Um, "Carmen, this is great, but this is not at your level. Can you go and do it better?" You know, like it would be like straight in your face, like you know, you can do much better, or like straight, I'm disappointed in you. (laughs) You know, so you learn to be tough and to to think that okay, how can I do this better and If I say something, how can I actually do it, you know, by basically sitting down in our chair and writing or lacing up our shoes and going. But sometimes I have to plan carefully, you know, and I am lucky that my job is very flexible. So I think that's my advantage, you know. And so when I I say I always say I played a lot this morning and during the day and I had lunch with a friend. So I'm going to work till midnight. (laughs) you know, so something has to give, right? <laughs> Interesting.
0: I like the idea of putting joy and fun and play on the calendar. I feel like yes. that's the first thing to go and certainly never sees the light of day on my own calendar. Not that there's <laughs> that much white space, but I feel like any day where I actually take the time to do something out of the ordinary, like this weekend, we went and did all these fun things. And I, I feel like I'm starting totally refreshed as if I've like peeled off a layer of, yes. I don't know what, like, I don't know, cobwebs or something. Yeah? <laughs> Not cobwebs. It's almost like I'm in like a, like a plaster cast and I have to start by peeling off each layer. And the more fun you have, the more you can like get back to who you even are underneath. That sounds ridiculous, but it made sense no,
3: in my That's <laughs> exactly how I feel. And I also feel more creative. Like Yep. When you start writing, you have different images and ideas yep. and you're like writing so freely and with more joy, I feel.
0: Yes. So true.
3: So top three ways that you have
0: fun. What are your top three go-tos for fun?
3: Well, obviously running. Running. <laughs> So it's running, it's spending time with with our kids, they're teenagers, you know, and uh, like yesterday they dragged me to the mall, but it was just so nice to see them and they were like explaining to me about the new shoes and they're like, mom, you don't just do with these shoes like you do with your running shoes. I was trying to feel the sole of the shoe and bend it. (laughs) And they're like, mom, you don't do that. And I'm like, well, what's the big deal? You know, and just um, obviously being with them, you know, playing tennis with my husband is a lot of fun, even though he just demolishes me, <laughs> but it's, it's fun because we both have an unconventional tennis game. We do a lot of slices, you know, and all tricky shots. And if I play with him and then I play with my uh, women friends, it feels easy because he makes me work so hard. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> And we love to travel as a family. We spent three weeks in Europe this summer in Spain and Portugal. And I just, if I could travel my entire life, that's what I would choose to do for fun.
0: (laughs) Interesting. I feel like everybody's talking about Portugal. I don't know what it is that this. I don't know what's going on. Maybe the Portugal tourism trade board stepped up or something, but I I just feel like everybody's going to Portugal. I don't know. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I was just on a call with someone in Lisbon and I don't know. Now I'm like very eager to go. I've never been. So.
3: Yes, you will like it. And we really really liked Spain as well. Um, the Andalusia region. Wow. Yeah.
0: Okay, so next up for you, you're going to finish your
3: book, finish your memoir. Yes. And what else? Well, finish the memoir and I I also should plan a writing a novel. You know, it's just, it's, it's a different kind of genre. And, uh, but I, I feel like I would want to do that, you know?
0: Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Advice for aspiring authors.
3: Yes, absolutely. So I recently read an article and I think if we all did that, we really would write, you know, more consistently. This author said that The best thing to do is to read for 30 minutes. He calls it the 30-30 rule. You read for 30 minutes and then you write for 30 minutes. Hmm. And and what you read is also important. You want to read something that will actually is deeper or matches what you're writing because it will inspire us to think and write with revelatory depth and beauty. You know, like if that's the kind of writing you like to do. But basically, I I want to start trying that because I usually read late at night. I have my own book club and I I feel like at night it's easier to read than in the morning if I want to write in the morning. But I think the 30-30 rule where you actually sit down and read something that inspires you and then writing will make things flow, you know? Yep.
0: And that's yeah. excellent advice. I've never heard that, and I love it. Very cool.
3: <laughs> and I also, uh, as I used to read more than, you know, 100 books and mainly the classics back in Romania, and we were taught to underline, to always read with the pencil in your hand. So I think it's very powerful when you actually read and engage with the text on a different level and you, you mark things down or you take notes. Like I usually, my bookmark is a blank page, you know, a blank page so that I can write my notes as I read. Like I even made notes reading your memoir. I I actually made it on my iPhone so that I share with a friend, you know. And so that way it kind of, you engage with the text at a different level and a different depth, you know. Oh, thank you for doing that. And thank you. Thank you for everything.
0: Thanks for coming on and being so prepared and just amazing. And thanks for your patience. So uh
3: Oh, thank you so much, Zibi. I'm deeply honored and I'm very happy we got to do this because I know you don't get to have a lot of poets. So thank you for opening, opening up your your heart and your podcast to me.
0: No problem. It's a joy.
3: Okay. (laughs) Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye.